Welcome to episode 10 of the Life and Times of the Osborne Man. I am your host, Holly Hazard. In this episode, we introduce two of the Briggs girls. With the exception of last week's short letter from Marion, the letters I've transcribed to date have been mostly from John to Sue, his wife. With the advent of the Roaring Twenties, the children of John and Sue are becoming adults, and wouldn't it have been fun to be 20 in the 20s? The narrators for each of the children of Sue and John are their actual descendants. First, you heard from Marion a few weeks ago. She is played by Marion Briggs Dolan's great-granddaughter, Cricket Clayton. You'll hear from her again next week as Cricket narrates a series of interesting letters Marion writes home from Millville, New Jersey, where she has her first job teaching high school biology. The part of 16-year-old Louise is played by her great-granddaughter, Maxwell Passes. Finally, the part of Betty, or Elizabeth, both she and her family use both names interchangeably, is played by her great-granddaughter, Jessie Whitten. When these actors aren't channeling their great-grandmother's thoughts, and dreams in the form of letters home. They are all accomplished professionals in their own right. One is a newly minted attorney, another a biomedical engineer, and another a professional radio host and director of marketing and development. I note that none of these professions would have been a likely or possible path for these three smart, ambitious women in the 1920s. We start this week with a sweet letter home from 16-year-old Louise, who is traveling alone for the first time with friends. This is the only letter I have from Louise for quite a few years, which makes sense because she's still in high school and living at home. Next, we'll listen to a few letters from Elizabeth, or Betty, who's a freshman in college. Although, by all accounts, she's excelling in her studies and is wildly popular, she's also struggling a bit with homesickness. First, Louise, who has taken a train trip to Rochester from Earlville. Dear Mother and All, Hannah and I got up at 5 a.m. Monday and didn't have to hurry much. Floyd took us down to the depot and we had 10 minutes before the train left. Mrs. Hatch and Mr. Foster were the only ones on the train besides us. Mr. Buell put our suitcases on the buffalo train for us and had the conductor carry them from our seats to the stairs where you go down to get to the depot. We waited there about 15 minutes for them and then they got a lunch. We got there about 12.45, fast time, and didn't start home until 4 p.m. We had to wait for Ruth Hobart to take her music lesson. She is the girl that played for the wedding. On our way home, we saw Lake Erie, and just before we came to the Buffalo Creek, we had to stop before going over the bridge to let three large boats go through. It was the first time I had seen one of those bridges work. We took Ruth to Collins. Of course, you know all about it and where it is and then went and got a girl that was going to visit Marge a couple of days, stayed there for supper, and then really started for South Dayton about a quarter of nine and got home half past ten fast time. Al, Hannah, and I sang most of the way home. Anne Elizabeth is too cute for anything except when she gets to squealing. I think she'll be a high soprano singer when she grows up. She had the colic tonight, and you would have thought she had a higher-pitched voice than Anna Case and the rest of them. Al and Hannah are in the sitting room with me, and I can't write worth a cent. Al is playing the guitar, and Hannah is giggling as usual. How is Ellen and the rest of them? It is bedtime, so I'm going to quit. Lots of love, Louise. And now, Betty, or Elizabeth, is writing from Syracuse University in her fall semester of her freshman year. She is clearly a popular and outgoing girl. She's president of her dormitory, but also very clearly close to her family, mentioning her sister Louise and brother Frank's studies, 
her letters to her older sister, Marion, worried about the woman living on their farm south of town, Mrs. Lloyd, and writing to her little sister, Louise, explaining college life. Her mother is sending her cakes and other treats almost daily and apparently doing her laundry and sending it back and forth, something I doubt happens with too many college students today. She's also clearly homesick and so brokenhearted when her mother didn't come for the weekend as Betty had expected. Now, let's hear from Betty in her own words. Friday night. Dear Mother, it was just great of you to send all the good things. We just jumped for them hard. The cake is wonderful, and the asters look just swell. Hope you will keep on writing the way that you have so far. I just have to have mail. The softs here in the hall have been initiating us, and it was lots of fun. I absolutely can't write tonight. I've torn up one letter for you already, and now I've got to go to bed. I'm president of the freshmen here in the hall, and formal pledging was tonight. If anyone wants to know how I like it, tell them fine. I'll send my invitation thing home. Keep it in a safe place, as I want to have it for my stunt book. I ought not to have written tonight, but I thought maybe you would think something was the matter with me if I didn't pretty soon. I'm just getting the effects of the rush is all. Lots of love, Elizabeth. September 29th, Wednesday a.m. Dear Mother and All, that was a perfect peach of a letter, and I hope to get lots more like it. You were writing it Tuesday a.m., and I got it at 8.30 this a.m. Glad Dad is getting out on the road and that you're taking a little spree, too. I take it you were at the other house, but I have no idea when you went. Also, what you wrote is the first thing I have heard about Mrs. Lloyd. Is or was she very sick? I have sent a card. I'll bet Mr. Hoadley was funny. It sounds just like him. I wish I had had this letter about two minutes sooner, as I just sent a letter to R. He wrote me an awfully nice one before he left. Glad he took his initiation in such good grace. I'm surprised. Helen Fielding is engaged to Lee Spaulding. U of P man, sophomore, Alpha Chai Ro, and on the varsity football team. She was telling me about how they made all the frosh kiss the toe of Ben Franklin's statue and that they got their heads shaved just any old way by expert barbers. Glad Louise likes Latin. I'll take it back that pronunciation isn't important. I wish you could hear our professor, Dr. Place. Don't make too much work of it, Louise, but be sort of particular about the accent, etc. What is your schedule, Frank? Write and tell me how everything is going. You'll have to dig in on that chemistry, and it will be great if you can get that over with this year. Football news sounds interesting, but I would like to hear more about it. Your Sunday trip sounded some swell with me. A sweat, and in my kimono writing letters. I had a dandy letter from Marion yesterday, but as there's absolutely nothing in there that concerns anyone but me, I will not send it on. Last night, some of the kids, Grace Fielding and Zip Bowers, went down and got popcorn and a big pint of cream for five of us. Me and my and Helen Fielding. It was great. And we think we'll study on it every night. Marion sent me a check for five. I haven't captured $15 yet and still have about $7. Isn't that pretty good? I bought some SU seal paper for 75 cents, but all I can do is show it to you. I'm going to YW tomorrow afternoon, as Mr. Clausen is going to speak. I can't get over those dear ivory things. I have no clock yet. My laundry is piling up, but I can't get a laundry case for a few days, and I can't or just don't take time to do it up. Lots of love, Betty. Sunday, September 26th. Dear Mother and All, Did that letter worry you? It has me ever since I sent it. I'm fine, and everything is great now. That cake was wonderful. I took some down to the fielding girls, and the oldest one is always saying something funny, although she looks terribly dignified. 
She said, tell your mother next time to send a high bust and long hip one. You remember the box you sent it in. They all think it's pretty nice the way I get boxes about every day. I guess you've sent me everything I've asked for, and lots more, too. Thanks a lot. And thanks to the kids for waiting, as I suppose they did. What's happening to them in school? This morning I went to Calvary Church with my big sorority sister, who was Marion's little sister. Isn't that nice? I saw Martha and Mary and Mr. and Mrs. Loomis from the distance, but Carrie was not there. It has been just terribly warm here today, so I wore my organdy dress over to lunch. It sets great and all the kids like it, so pat yourself on the back. We sat out on the porch, but I was very particular to see that there was a cushion between me and it. I am with Virginia Sprague and Gertrude Hunt most of the time. We took a little walk after lunch, and since then I've been writing letters to Alice and Grace. Wrote a long one to Marion, too, this afternoon, as I had not written to her or anyone else as far as that goes this last week. I don't know whether I told you about our invitation by the Softs or not. It was just the kids here in the hall, and they had us doing wild things, but it was fun. I wore my hair back with a without cootie garages, carried an umbrella, and wore rubbers to classes. You can imagine how crazy that would be. And then one night, when we had to wear our middies backwards, we put it over on them by dressing all crazy. Marion will send her letter on to you, and you will see it in there. Are you terribly busy? How does everybody feel, and what's happening? Didn't I answer your questions about Laura and that little note better? I know I did sometime, but I can't tell but what it is the one I tore up. All my professors and teachers are great. I need mail on Tuesday, worst of any, so shoot them. I'm using a borrowed clock, so wish you could send one. Lots of love, Elizabeth. The ivory things are perfectly adorable. They look just great, and I like them a lot. Were they my birthday presents? Sunday, October 10th, 1920. Winchell Hall. Dear Louise, you sure did write me a nice newsy letter about school, and I was awfully glad to get it. Be sure and do it again, and I'd love to hear Frank's side of the subject, too. You frosh are coming fine, I should think. Glad you like Latin so well. You just ought to visit my Latin class. You would love to hear Dr. Place read it and teach it. I have it Monday at 10.10, so maybe when you come up for the weekend, you could stay for Monday morning. When are you coming? I'd love to have you any time. I wish you would all decide to come up for the Colgate game. The pit game is going to be the really big game, and if Buster can't come up for both and would like to come for this, it would be great. It is next week, and let me know at once about it. I think Laura and I have decided to be home for the chicken pie supper. But isn't that after Thanksgiving? And when does Uncle Frank come? I just heard today that he was coming sometime the 1st of November. Are there some new pictures home that I ought to have? Hazel was going to have some camp pictures finished for me. Ask her about them. This morning, Amelia, Laura, and I went down to the First Baptist. It was Rally Sunday and a very nice service. Mother, you ask Aunt Amelia to tell you how Clausen led the singing. This afternoon, I had planned to spend writing letters, but we frosh had a meeting fixing up a stunt for our baby party. And then Grace and Helen Fielding stayed, and we lopped around playing the uke and glad doing some grand opera singing. I finally did get a long letter off to Marion and then went up to the house for lunch. I like all the pledges very much. Just now, I'm in with Helen and Grace, as my sweet roommate is not in yet. She has my scarf and feather hat, so probably she's made a hit. <laughs> she's a cute child. Last night, we had the nicest freshman dance. Mr. Hickernall, Marion's red-haired favorite prof, the one that wanted to know what relation I was to her, put up the $75 for it. They made good, so we will have more.
It was in the men's gym, and everyone introduced everyone else, so it was very nice. We had 18 chaperones. I went to the Johns Hopkins game yesterday with all the pledges. There were some marvelous plays, and it was really exciting. But 45-0. Wait until Colgate comes. Raw, raw. Yesterday morning at about 11.30, Glad and I went downtown to get some gloves for her and a tam for myself. I went in every store from a block above D's to about six below. I wanted a tan one to match my scarf, and they were out everywhere. We had lunch down there and continued our search until 1.30. When I did see one on a shelf, I was so afraid it was going to be taken right before my eyes. I didn't know what to do. It was only $1.95. It would have cost much more to make one. Virginia paid $2.50 for hers. Friday night, we had the most wonderful celebration for the crew in the Olympic races. You know, we won out in the races. The band started through the fraternity section, collecting crowds at 7.15. There was a huge platform decorated with flags on the old oval in front of the library. The library steps were crammed for miles around. It was thrilling. And if anyone says there's no spirit at Syracuse, they don't know what they're talking about. And that's all. This Sam Cook, graduate manager of athletes, was Toastmaster, as it were, and he was great. Just kept everyone roaring. They had numerous speakers, cheers, songs, etc. I saw Mr. Loomis, Carrie, and Annabelle there. The midi party the night before, Thursday, was awfully impressionistic. All the orange, blue, red, and best of all, green ties. We had a big, grand march, four abreast, and then divided into classes for a sing. The stunts were the cleverest things. Remind me to tell you about the athletic wedding sometime. It was killing. They had numerous other stunts besides this one. Wednesday night, Alpha Chai's entertained the DKEs. Everyone was terribly disappointed in their pledges. They weren't at all what you would expect and terribly common. I wore my organdy dress if you would be interested. Everyone thinks it's a wonder, so clap yourself on the back, mother. I think I've completed the news. Don't rush the laundry, mother, but if you could send some of the shirts and corset covers, don't bother about the white skirt. Wish I had time to do them myself, but I just can't keep everything up. This morning, I felt sleepy, so slept until nine. It was great. Then I had an apple and two cookies and felt great. Those sugar cookies absolutely melted in your mouth. They were great. We've been having good cake this week, so I guess I've gained the flesh I lost last week. Tell Dad I enjoyed his letter. Just loads and loads, and hope he will write again. He'll have to take this for his return letter, because I can't keep track of him. I want to go to Mary tomorrow night awfully bad. It is wonderful, everyone says. Love Nest is from it, if you know, and I haven't been to anything like that. The formal dance for the pledges is Thursday night, and Tuesday night is our baby party. Don't know how much time I'll have to write this week, but wish you would write or have my laundry come so I could get something at least every other day. Had letters from everyone this week, and only one day yesterday that I didn't get anything. Lots of love, Betty. Haven't catched the $15 check yet. Ain't that grand. Undated 20. Monday AM. Dear Mother, Of course, I'm very anxious to know why you didn't come. There's absolutely but one excuse I will accept, and that is that you were not feeling well enough. And even this reason won't hold unless you tried to phone. You said not to look for you, but it seemed so absolutely reasonable that you might as well told me not to look for the sun to rise. I couldn't study for my English class Saturday morning. I was so excited about it, and I was living on it all day. 
Laura and Virginia Sprague, Glad and the two fielding girls went to church with me yesterday morning, and we waited about five minutes after church. I sat in the fielding girls' window all the afternoon, riding to Marion and jumping at every Buick car I saw. Cars were passing every minute, and nine out of ten were Buicks. I looked for you until five o'clock, and then I happened to think you were calling up Marion every once in a while last year, and I thought, sure, you would call up. So I left word here and at the chapter house when I left there to go to church at night. I called up the house this a.m. to see if you had. Our phone here was out of order yesterday, but I thought you would think of the chapter house. But yesterday was not the only Sunday. There is another coming in six days. Just let me tell you, there were three brothers in HS, and grades came and stayed until yesterday morning for the game. Their sister is here in the hall and is terribly ordinary, but three of them came over 125 miles on train. Friends here in the city took a girl just riding last Sunday way to Cortland and back. Virginia Sprague's people have driven here two or three times from Governor, and Laura's best friend's people drove up yesterday from way down in New Jersey. Now I want to tell you to plan to come next week. Let me know now and then come. I don't want any surprises because I know now how much fun it is to expect you. It is Glad's birthday next Sunday, and the Fielding Girls and I want to have a feed Saturday night for just us four. Surprise. We're going to have rare bed, and could you make us some brown bread? Would the gel you sent be good in the sandwiches or what? Nut cheese would be, but with cheese in the rare bed, it would be too much. Would peanut butter and salad dressing be good? Jell I just toasted to see what kind. We expect Glad will have a birthday cake from home, but if she doesn't, we can buy cakes here cheap, too, I think, and we can get some candles. This Saturday, there is no big game, but the Frosh team play with some college, and I don't know of anything for Friday night, so we could go to something downtown if Louise could come up Friday morning and go back with you Sunday. Would love to have her and Frank. Know she would have a good time. The game and celebration the night before, wonderful, thrilling, have written about it in detail to M, and it will come on to you. I do hope you are not sick again. Wish you would come up here and take a rest. Write very soon and let me know about how things are. Love, Betty. From her letters, Betty is definitely the roommate I'd want in college. Studious, but so much fun. One indication of how close this family is is how strongly Betty feels about her mother visiting. I'm not sure. As much as I love my mom, I don't remember wanting her to join me for my college football games. Of course, I wouldn't have dared to ask her to do my laundry either. Next week, we'll learn a little bit more about Marion, John and Sue's eldest daughter, who has taken a job as a high school biology teacher in Millville, New Jersey. From her letters, we know she also has an active social life. She's made great friends and is dealing with a difficult landlady and increasingly seems to be struggling with the same issues in her teaching profession, no time to plan, low wages, a frustrating bureaucracy that teachers are dealing with today. Please mark your calendar to download the broadcast on Monday around noon. If you're enjoying this podcast, could you please help us by rating the podcast and leaving a review? This week, the voice of Louise was narrated by Maxwell Passis, and Betty was narrated by Jesse Whitten. This podcast is produced by Holly Hazard, Music is provided by Escalante Music from Pond 5. Thank you for listening.